Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. As you look at the logo behind me, you'll notice that uh, we've got that wrench in that gear. That's because we're in pre-launch phase for our church. We're building out our Orchards campus, getting ready to launch that. This has been such an unusual last couple of years. Uh, we've been meeting in all kinds of different places and homes. We've been meeting in studio. There was, at one point, we were doing three services a morning in a studio that sat comfortably 25 people. We were stuffing people in there. And then we decided to set up a tent, and then it got windy. We'd have walls tipping over and all kinds of stuff. And so but I, if there's anything that I've learned, it's God's people are resilient. Amen. And to gather, it's a priority. And so we figured it out. And so we're in the process of building out that facility. And we expect to get in as we turn the corner on the first of the year. And who knows, permits can come early. They can come late. You never know. And at the end of the day, we can make it one more week in a bulb facility we're thankful to be able to use this and saturday nights are not optimal we know that but this is the option that we have and so um, in this season we want to encourage you if you're newer to the church family or even if you've been here for a long time as we get ready to press that launch button for our new location we want to invite you onto the team there's a spot for you even if you're brand new here to our church and this is just becoming your home you can go ahead and you can register for uh, our launch team by using uh, the qr code there or certainly if you go online on our website you'll be able to see it there as well um, during this season, we're really trying to help one another to get to know each other. Some haven't been in church for a while. Some of you are newer to our church. and So setting up times to be able to get together and get to know one another are really important. We don't want to turn this into Walmart where maybe I see you this week while I'm shopping, maybe I don't, but to do life as family, right? God's, God's church is a family. And so things like the train day or whatever that is, the pumpkin train, Really, I mean, riding the train's great, and it'll be fun, and the kids will love it, and we got gifts for the kids, and a tailgate party and all that, but the real big deal is to be able to sit next to one another, have a meal, find out how you're doing, to get to know you better, so we can do life, so we can follow Jesus together, amen, and so we encourage you to do that. Also, during this season, we are uh, really leaning into our series entitled Intentionally Us, and it's to help you to understand better um, who we are, really the, the flavor that we are as a church. There's a lot of great churches in town, and um, we're us. And we say that un unapologetically, just like you should be the best version of you. Don't try to be somebody else, and we're not going to try to be somebody else as a church. We know who we are, who God's called us to be. And so in this series, we've been really leaning into helping you to discover that flavor, because it is very intentional. Tonight, uh, I want to have you look at a verse, and then we're going to pray. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, uh, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Gosh, it's such a great verse. And the title of my message, and it's that, that flavor that we really want to point out to you tonight, is that the kingdom is our foundation. Did you hear what I said? The kingdom is our foundation. I've built a few houses, and the foundation determines the living that happens on the top of it. And there's lots of, I've built a really tiny house, and I've built a larger house, and stronger foundations, and whatever the foundation looks like, it supports 
and it limits or it expands the living that happens on top of it. And as a church, we put our feet one in front of the other, stepping on the foundation of the kingdom of heaven as we walk. So Father, I thank you for your people, maybe some that are becoming your people. I thank you so much for your word, your promises. God, I've got 14 hours worth of material to preach in 25 minutes. Um, I pray, God, that you'll help me to communicate on a level that's beyond information, it's inspiration, it's impartation, it allows our eyes to be opened to kingdom truths that allow us to experience more abundant living. And as we experience abundant living, we're able to pass that on to our children, our co-workers, the person next door. And I pray for your help in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. You give the Lord a big hand, high five the person next to you, and you can be seated, and I'm just going to dive right in. Uh, I really do have so much material to be able to deliver you, to you tonight, but I'm going to honor your time. And know that at any time that I speak, you can go ahead and get a copy of the notes from me. I recommend that. Do the research. There's probably a hundred scriptures in tonight's message. I won't get to all of them. Let me say this. As a church family, we're really dedicated to the Word of God. Uh, we challenge people to read the Bible daily. We, we use an app for that. Um, you can learn the Bible verse by verse, line by line. We definitely encourage that. Now, a lot of times my preaching is conceptual, and it's kind of led by where we are as a church family, what God is saying to the church. Book of Revelation, chapters two and chapters one, two, and three, really our message to churches. And there's a different message to each church based on their setting and in their positioning. And so I believe that God has a, a key message for right here and right now. And sometimes going line by line, verse by verse, while that is incredibly valuable in your understanding of the word of God, it's probably not how I'm gonna preach typically on a Sunday because there is that idea of God has a right here, right now, fresh word for us to lean into. And I think that this is important as we talk about uh, the who we are to really lean into kingdom concepts. I'll describe my message this way. It's a, a Bible story that will be very familiar to you, but will really help to illustrate my main point. Um, the uh, books of First and Second Samuel uh, First and Second Kings and Chronicles, they all talk about really the kingdom of, of, of Israel being established underneath King Saul to start off with, and then King David, and then many other kings. And one thing you learn by reading those books, as goes the king, so goes the country. Follow the leader, and if the leader's doing great, you follow him into great places. If he's not doing great, you unfortunately follow him into poor places. And uh, there comes a moment when Saul, the first king, has established him, himself, and he's leading the nation of Israel, and a different kingdom, the Philistine kingdom, comes in and steps across the border of their territory and stands on their ground and besieges their nation. Now, that's uh, a common warlike uh, war concept to taking over a nation. They don't raise a single sword. They don't hurt a single individual. They just come in and they occupy the land. And by being there, people begin to be afraid and concerned. And life begins to kind of grind to a halt. Commerce slows down. Farming slows down. Probably education. All sorts of, all the components of of kingdom living for those people, much like what we've experienced over the last 18 to 24 months, lots of things have kind of locked down. 
It's a concept of war. Sometimes you can actually uh, take over a country without weapons, but just by showing up and standing your ground. There's this thing called eminent domain, uh, adverse possession, where if you allow somebody on your property for a period of years, they can go to court and show that they were on your property and now they own a portion of your property, as crazy as that sounds. And so the Philistines kind of did that to the nation of Israel. And what's bizarre is that King Saul had a huge army and he was an accomplished warrior and yet he was terrified and did nothing. Every single day the Philistines would come out and oppose the armies of Israel and they brought their champion warrior, you'll recognize his name, Goliath. He was a large man, nine feet tall. He had the uh, most, most advanced weaponry that was also very shiny that caught everybody's attention. And he would stand out on the hillside and simply just talk to the armies of Israel who were terrified along with their king. And they just stood there. And, and that fear rippled not only through the army of God, but into the nation of God because the enemy had just shown up. Now, living life was less than it should have been during that time, because when the enemy shows up and establishes a position in your world, it changes how life actually functions. But what I love is there was this young boy named David. You'll know he's not king yet, but he's been out uh, shepherding his dad's sheep and he's been defending the flock and at one point there was a, a lion that tried to attack the sheep and he was this, this deep warrior sense within him said those are my dad's sheep this is my responsibility and he whooped that lion with his bare hands uh, you know as you read the scripture there later on a bear comes to attack and David fights off a bear and so he, he really sees through the lens of a warrior of territory, of what is his, of what is rightfully his, and an enemy coming onto his territory to steal what is, is his. And he's, he's grown strong in fighting for what is rightfully his. And so when he shows up, not being in uh, the army, but going to visit his brothers, and he watches this whole thing play out where in his land, in his kingdom, there is an army that shouldn't be there, and a man standing on the hillside just boasting out threats to this land, and he's looking around and watching the kings over there and his brothers, who otherwise would be strong warriors, were kind of cowering over there. Everybody just kind of standing around kicking rocks, and all of life is kind of shut down. There is something that rises up within him. that mm. he it, it's, it's a divine... Constipation, that's probably not the right word. There's like this internal gurgling that begins to happen. A righteous indignation, that's the word that I'm looking for, right? And there is something that hits him at this moment. It does not sit right. And I think that what I love about David as we look at this, the reason why it doesn't sit right is because he knows that this is not what God wants. This is God's territory. These are God's people. That's an enemy. Why did you let them in? Why are you letting the enemy talk? Why are you listening to the enemy? Why isn't somebody shutting this giant up? And this stirs up within him. And unlike anybody else in the crowd, David understood the principles of kingdom and kingdom foundations. See, because really, we're, here's where the analogy you need to understand. The Philistines 
represent the kingdom of this world. And God's kingdom was being invaded by the kingdom of this world. And David, something rose up with inside of him, and he said, this cannot stand. We cannot allow them to lock us down. And he begins to move around and say, we need to fight this guy. And it kind of, to be honest with you, irritates the king and some of his brothers and some of the army. It should have irritated them. But for some reason, they were lulled into a, just a, a stagnant space. They were actually kind of just working around this giant, kind of putting up with his talk, allowing him to occupy their land. And really where I'm going, hopefully you're already seeing the headlights in the, you know, pointing down the street where I'm going with this, that we live in the kingdom of this world, but as you and I step into a relationship with Jesus, we step into a different kingdom. Your citizenship changes. There's a lot of legal ramifications to this, all from the book of Genesis chapter 1 right down to the last chapter of Revelation. This is all very legal. It's very biblical. It's contractual. There are just some key things that happen, but what you need to understand is when you say yes to Jesus, you actually step out of the kingdom of this world, and you step into becoming a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. And your citizenship means everything. Right now, if you lived in Australia, have you been following the news? It's a big difference from living in Texas. You track it with me? Okay? Because of the kingdom, because of the governance. And so when you and I step out of the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of heaven, there are certain things that God has for us that are amazing because he's an amazing king. David understood this concept, even though it's Old Testament, he understood that God has good things for us, and this enemy's positioning right now is stopping us from having all the things that God wants for us. And he's looking around, is somebody going to do something about this? And while everybody's in that stagnant spot, he rises up and says, nobody else is going to do it, I'm going to take care of this, because this cannot stand on my watch. There will be moments, even after you step out of the kingdom of this world, because I'm confident, one, one look into the eyes of God, one, if you can hear the voice of God, if you can hear Jesus in that loving tone of all that he sacrificed for you to become a citizen of the kingdom, you will want to step out of this world and step into citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. Because the kingdom of this world is one of dying, death, and destruction. One slice at a time from the moment that you were conceived, you started dying. And by bumps and pushes, you, 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 you're robbed from on a daily basis, but stepping out of this kingdom into the kingdom of God, it's a kingdom of life. God is wanting to push abundant life into your very being here on earth. And so stepping into the citizenship of the kingdom of heaven allows every place that you go, because you are a citizen, to be terra firma that's kingdom-oriented. Um, let me run to you just through a couple of slides really quick, and I'm going to just go Gatling gun fire on to lay the groundwork. Uh, next slide. Um, the kingdom of heaven is not a location you go to after you die. 
Some of you have talked about, oh, I can't wait to go to heaven. Newsflash, heaven is not a place. It is a kingdom. It's a realm. Heaven is a kingdom. It's certainly a place that you can see God's throne. We read about that in scripture. But the kingdom of heaven is, is intended to extend all the way to the earth. That's why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the reason Jesus came was so that you could experience kingdom living here on earth. Because ultimately, God is the good king. He doesn't have subjects. He has sons and daughters. He's not looking to you to benefit him. Everything about the kingdom is him benefiting you. Amen? His rule of law is not a restrictive law, like don't do this and don't do that and don't drive over there and wear this and put that in you. You know, you know what I'm saying? God is all about, instead of restricting, he's pushing more life into you. God's word reveals more of what you get to do that you didn't know you could do than it ever does the things that you can't do. Also, his economy, unlike any other kingdom, most kingdoms have Citizens who work to fund the kingdom. Actually, in God's kingdom, God is Jehovah Jireh. He is a God that is more than enough. When he fed the multitude, everyone ate, and what happened? They had what? Leftovers. God, God doesn't look to his subjects to fund him. God actually funds his children with every resource that they need. And he, while he does have an army, the army is not for our protection because we are protected in our king's covering. That's how strong and powerful he is. And ultimately, the mission of his kingdom is to establish and enforce his kingdom, which always leads to the best option it touches. In other words, you step into the kingdom and you have now within your reach the ability to be the best dad you could ever be, certainly if you weren't in the kingdom. It opens the door for you to be the best business person you could ever be because God's, God's kingdom brings life. And that life is not just for church, not just for raising our hands when we pray. It, he brings life to your business savvy. You, you understand that? He'll bring life to your talent with your hands. He'll bring life to your parenting skills. He'll bring, he'll bring life to your imagination, your understanding of technology. He'll bring life to your connections while you're trying to work hard in the flesh to open the doors of opportunity. God's kingdom will open doors that no man could ever shut. And so that's the beautiful thing about the kingdom of heaven. It's not a location. It's a realm wherever God's rule and reign touches. And so when you invite God of, God of the universe to be your God, his kingdom comes upon you, and you begin to walk on the foundation of his kingdom. Here's a couple quick points, and I won't read through all of these. Next slide. Uh, Adam and Eve were actually the first ambassadors appointed to govern earth. I don't know if, you, if you've ever researched this, studied this. If you read through the scriptures, God puts Adam and Eve in the garden, and in the process, he uses some very, very cool words. Uh, the Bible says he, he gave them dominion. That means what they said mattered. What they, they, they actually spoke on behalf of God. God had revealed to him what he wanted to do and then used them to do it. He called them sons and daughters, but he, he actually deputized them to be 
um, ambassadors, which means when they step on the earth, they step on the earth in his place, representing him, delivering information, governing as he would govern. And so we see Adam and Eve do this. And it goes on to say that they were to subdue the entire earth. That doesn't mean like, you know, cut all the weeds back. Or what it means is to like put it in order so that it functions according to the will of God. And as they had dominion, the Bible says that was very, very good. Not just that, oh, that's really cool looking. It's that this, this plan was a good plan. God's kingdom being established on earth and him using people to establish it, that was good. Now, next slide, you, you will certainly study not too, far, too much farther in Genesis 2 and 3 that the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, they actually surrendered their governance over to someone. You know, God, when he, uh, the Garden of Eden is not like, you know, your little vegetable patch on the side of the house, okay? You know that, right? It's not like your planter box on the back patio. The Garden of Eden was huge and filled with all sorts of incredible vegetation and animals. And this was not like some, you know, guy running around with a fig leaf who had little knowledge. Adam named the animals, and he didn't call them dog and cat. He named them according to their species and genus. He was the original scientific guy because his mind was clear as created by God. And in the process, God said, you can have all of this stuff. And as you continue to subdue or put in order the garden, you're going to discover more of my bounty and more new things that you can enjoy. Just don't touch this. Don't, don't eat of this one over here. And so it's, you can have all of this. Stay away from that one. And so you can see God's word brings abundance. It brings life. You get to do all of this stuff. Just don't, just don't do this one over here. And you know that the serpent showed up, and this is really key what he said. The serpent was not as interested in making Eve eat what she shouldn't. What he was really after, and you, you need to hear this, what he was really after is disqualifying her from enjoying the abundance that God had for her. You got to see this. This is kingdom clarity. Some of us, we fix it. Well, why won't God let me do that? Because it's a pathetic substitute for all of the abundance that God has for your life. The good things that God has for you, the enemy, his, see, God's word comes to bring life. The devil's word is lies, and it's always lies about the promises of God. Well, you get to do this little, you need to do this cool thing here. It is such a, such a piece of junk compared to what God has, the real thing that God has for your life. Now, the devil's less interested about getting you to do the thing that he's tempting you with than he is in disqualifying you from all the good things that God has that are waiting. It's a real key scripture. But you, you need to understand, this is, this is warfare concepts. Okay, when Adam and Eve had the dialogue, or Eve had the dialogue and was deceived by Satan, she actually obeyed him. And who do we obey? We obey people that are in, that we give power to be in charge of us. 
See, up until this point, she had been obedient to God. Adam had been obedient to God. God's word gave them life. They walked in that life. Someone comes in and suggests that God is lying. And in the process of listening to the lie of the wicked one, she actually obeys someone. She obeys Satan. She does what he tells her. And she invites her husband. She, listen, it's not just her. Adam right there doing right what she offered, and they actually obey someone for the first time instead of God. Romans chapter 6, verse 16 says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you become a slave to the one that you obey? The thing that you obey. It's a kingdom concept. The Philistines show up and start saying a bunch of stuff, and maybe they're not hacking off limbs, but we're all backed up, we're all squatting down, we're holding on, hoping to survive moving around this thing that shouldn't be there. It's actually obedience to the world. Um, next slide. The moment they obeyed Satan, a new kingdom is established. You know, it's... Um, I don't want to get overly political, but it's remarkable to watch uh, what's happened in the Middle East. You know, for a number of years, and probably longer than we should have been there, our troops were trying to raise up democracy in Afghanistan. And in the process, an Afghanistan government was established. And in the pullout, the way that it happened, if you've watched the news, the Afghanistani government that was in position to lead their territory were, and probably for good reason, fearful enough of what was coming with our departure that many of the Afghan government leaders actually fled the nation. And in the process, what, what we saw as the enemy in the past literally just walked in and took over and without really firing a weapon, now took dominion and now run the nation of Afghanistan. They are the, actually the rightful leaders now because they've taken control. And I, I bring that up not to be political, but to show you that there is a very real transaction that happens when you allow an enemy to come in and you obey that enemy. They become the kings and they establish a dominion. And you and I, when we, even as believers, when we, when we sin, we are listening to the wicked one, we are actually surrendering territory in our lives, very real territory. Get this out of your head. This is, this is bogus, okay? Some of you are like, bogus? I haven't heard that since 1979. Um, some of you young people are like, what does that even mean? Uh, it's whack, okay? This, this, this is bogus. I can just ask God to forgive me and he will. And you hear me for a second, God is a generous, gracious God, and he will forgive, but that's not the issue. It's part of the issue, but after you've gotten the forgiveness of God, how do you plan on getting this enemy that you've invited into your backyard out? That's the issue. Because whomever you obey, you become a slave to. And so when you've invited the enemy through your engaging in wrong activity, 
you're obeying him, God will forgive you. Yes, God is going to forgive you, but what are you going to do about Goliath in your backyard? This is why it becomes critical. I mean, it will change. When, there, when there's a Goliath in your backyard, it changes everything. I mean, just talk to the people in Afghanistan grabbing onto airplanes as they're taking off on the runway because they know that as goes the king, so goes the nation. Amen? Come on, is that good? Okay, let me, I better go faster. They're coming up here. They're like, dude, you're done. <laughs> I'm the king of this house. I'll tell you when I'm done. You know, the kingdom that, um, go, go back one slide. Just notice, you can get a copy of this, but Satan's the evil king. He doesn't have sons and daughters. He has citizens that are indentured servants. In other words, there's a debt you're working off. And guess what? It'll never be paid until you're dead. The rule of law in his world are lies that combat the word of God, always bringing death. The economy is not funded. It's depleted by his thievery and destruction. He will pick your pocket a thousand times to get it all. He might not take it in one lump sum, but he will pick your pocket. Security is non-existent. Death is inevitable. The mission is to steal, kill, and destroy so that you experience less than best, ultimately worse. Next slide. And, of course, there's a million scriptures for this. Now, here's the key. This is what you've got to see. David is a foreshadowing. David steps out, and he says, this will not stand. This is not the will of God. This is not right. And I can hear people arguing, well, how do you know what the will of God is? You know, if it's, get ready, this is going to be a big one. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Listen, if I could use profanity right now, I would have to use the really strong ones to let you know what a pile of bogus junk that is. If it's meant to be, it will be. That is a lie from the flipping devil. That is to lull you into passivity, to sit back and allow Goliath. Can you, that's what his brothers were saying. David's running around saying, who's going to kick this guy's butt? If it's God's will, it'll come to pass. What? If it's meant to be, it'll happen. I prayed one time. You know, if, if it's God's will for my son or daughter to, to, to do well, hold on, back up for a second. What? If it's God's will for somebody to do well? God was there at conception, at birth, has been hovering over that child. His will is for every person ever born to thrive, to excel, to be filled with abundant living. Well, if it's God's will for our marriage to work out, what? If it's God's will for me to get a job, if it's God's will for me to be healed, I'll just suffer well. It's okay, I'll just suffer. I can glorify God in suffering. Yes, you can, but there ain't nothing that glorifies God like somebody who was sick who's now healed. I need to say that again. You know, that's, that is one of the tricks of the enemy. Oh, you know, I just, I just feel like I'm glorifying God in my suffering. Look, you can glorify God in your suffering, and when you're suffering, glorify God. But you pick up some rocks and you start flinging them at the enemy because there's going to be a great moment when you cut his head off. 
What enemy is camped in your world that needs his head cut off? Mm. Am I going too long? Val's... You okay? Um, let me just look at this real quick. Oh, I got to tell you a couple of these things. Something like, did you know Saturday Night Live's coming on? It's a thing called TiVo, people. About 10 years ago, you would have that would have been valuable, right? <laughs> We're in such a crazy world. I still got to get my VHS converted. <laughs> I'm like, how are we going to convert these VH VHS tapes? We don't even have a VHS player. I know so one of you does, and you're going to loan it to me. But anyways, when Jesus... Now, hear me for a second. This is, this is really important. When Jesus showed up on earth, he came to bring the kingdom back to earth. Some of you have maybe been stuck in some theology that says the kingdom of heaven we will experience someday when we get to heaven. If you wait till then, you are unnecessarily living on the scraps of this world. In fact, the enemy wants you to live in that theology because you'll sit back and let Goliath do his thing and you'll live survival life, not thrival life. Jesus showed up as heaven's ambassador. He declared the kingdom of God. He taught the kingdom of God. He demonstrated kingdom realities. This is important. Some of you might have bought into this idea that Jesus did all of these miraculous things because after all, he was Jesus and he was showing us that he was the son of God. That is not true. Jesus showed up and when he did, the Bible says he depleted himself of all of the benefits of heaven and stepped into this world as a man and yet aligned with the kingdom of God and as he lived his life he lived on a level to show you where you could actually rise up and be seated with him as you live in this lifetime well Jesus was able to heal because he's Jesus well then why did he tell his disciples to go and heal the sick because he demonstrated that when you have father as king and you walk on terra firma that is kingdom ground that you will be able to carry the kingdom with you and anything that shouldn't be in the kingdom is pushed out because you represent the father you track it with that demonstrated kingdom realities he paid also the debt while he was here so that you could be released from your position and he paid your citizenship fee in advance, whether you ever cash in or not, because that's his commitment to you. And he invites all into his kingdom citizenship. Stand with me. Let me give you three things here. No, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I'm going to give you three real quick. Give me the next slide, guys. Say yes to Jesus so that you can experience what the kingdom has to offer. Listen, I, I get, again, I don't want to get political. There's a lot of ways to get into this country. Not all of them are legal. But there's only one way into the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's by saying yes 
to Jesus. You can hang around the gates. You can smell the fragrances. You can see what your friends are experiencing. You can hope some of that gets on you. You can stick your arm across and try to get some of it. You want access to the best that heaven has to afford. Say yes to Jesus. Stop hanging around with people who have said yes. That's good. Stop just tasting and seeing. Finally, buck up. Step across the line and say, God, I'm in. Because guess what? That citizenship, that paperwork is a defining line. And once you step over, all of the benefits of citizenship are now available to you. Amen? Second slide. You're like, wow, you went through that in about 10 seconds. We get to live life now as an enforcer of heaven's will. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, will you send your kingdom? God, could you make your will be done here on earth? It's not what it says. It says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In other words, he's not asking God to do anything. Jesus did not pray, teach us to pray asking for God's kingdom to come here on earth. It's a declaration. It's a part of prayer. The kingdom of God comes. It's you looking into your marriage that's maybe not going well and saying, the kingdom of God is coming here. God is bringing health and strength and wisdom. He's going to help me to be a better husband. He's going to help you to be a better wife. The, our marriage will receive the kingdom of heaven. It's laying on your hands on someone and not saying, God, if it be your will, Send healing down on the wingtips of angels. That's not how we pray. That's not how Jesus taught us to pray. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done. To the person who's sick, be healed. That's what it says. Why can you pray that way? Oh, that sounds awful bold. You've been deputized as an ambassador. You are acting on behalf of God. Not willy-nilly, not run around just doing whatever you want. I speak a Cadillac into existence. That might not be the will of God. But somebody who's sick, be healed in Jesus' name. Last slide, okay. Lead captives to freedom. It's more than inviting people to church, although that's incredibly valuable. Please do that. Fight them in to Jesus. Fight them into what God has done for you. You'd be so surprised. You feel like you got to just turn up the water, heat a little bit at a time. You know, why don't you just break out and tell somebody, let me tell you what God has done for me. And turn the boiling pot of water. Oh, yeah. What's your Goliath? Just take a second and pray over you. What's your Goliath? What have you allowed to step into your world that shouldn't be there? It's not the will of God for it to be there. Bully is crossed over the fence, standing in your backyard, threatening you, your kids, your dog, stealing stuff. Isn't it about time that that was over? It's about time. God's called you to conquer. He's called you to win. He's called you to excel. Come on. It, it, if it's God's will, it is God's will. Now let's rise up and let's take over. It's God's will for you to prosper. It's God's will for you to live well. It's God's will for you to be strong and healthy. And you make up your mind, and then you go out and do what you got to do to see it happen. You pull out the rocks, you start flinging them around, and you get good at it, and you start sinking them in foreheads, and you start cutting off. 
Don't get too graphic. We've got kids. Okay. Come on, hands raised all around this room. Right here, right now, say yes to Jesus. Come on, say yes to him right here now. Be in, all in. It's time to be all in. Not hanging around, not admiring, all in. Say yes to Jesus. Come on, say it with me. I say yes. I say yes. I say yes to your kingdom. I say yes to the king. I say yes to his word. I say yes to the good things he has for me. I say yes. You are my king. I step out of the kingdom of this world, and I step into the kingdom of heaven, which makes me an instant son, a daughter, an ambassador in this kingdom. And all that's available to me becomes mine. It's within reach. I say yes. I say yes. I say yes. If you've got a Goliath, I want you just to name him just under your breath right now might take more than just this one prayer right here and right now, but it's time for you to do warfare. It's time to get rid of that. If it's the will of God, it'll go away. No, it's going to go away when you stand up in your God-given authority and do something about it, right? Father, in Jesus' name, equip me with a warrior mindset. The ground that my feet are standing on are, is holy. God, my territory is holy not because I'm holy, because you are holy, and I stand in you. And God, you have good things over our lives, and the enemy would come to steal, kill, and destroy. And while he might not be always swinging a machete, sometimes he just shows up and he stands. And the word of God says, don't even allow the enemy to have a foot place. Not even to step one toe onto what is rightfully mine in you. And so right now, I name that territory, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm digging in my, my, my pockets for some rocks. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Why would we stand and listen to this uncircumcised Philistine when God is for us? Who can be against us? What can be against us? Nothing. So, Father, we thank you, God, and your goodness your faithfulness, sons and daughters in your kingdom, thriving and striving, God, for all that you have for us, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name, go ahead and sing this. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.